from Acts 8, starting at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south of the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptised? Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and travelled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Hello again. Uh, We are in the book of Acts this morning, as you've heard. It's a it's somewhat of a one-off sermon. We've, not, we've been working our way through the book of Ezra in recent weeks, and uh, because of the baptisms, I thought it would be nice to do uh, something different this week, and we'll return to Ezra again next week. So before we have a look at these words, let's ask for help from God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for these words, and we ask uh, that you would help us now as we reflect on them briefly. Uh, Please would you work in each of our hearts uh, to know the things you want us to know. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In 1944, the great author C.S. Lewis gave a speech at the University of London and he was speaking to the student body about this phenomenon that he referred to as the inner ring. The inner ring, uh, Lewis explained, uh, is... Uh, something that exists at every social level. There are are certain inner rings of fellowship. And when someone discovers this inner ring, this this desire to enter the ring can become the driving force of their lives. But people often make it hard for others to enter the ring, the the inner ring. You need to be cut from the, the right cloth or you need to do the right things and say the right things. For some people, they will never make it to the inner ring. For others, they might sacrifice almost everything to get there. But the irony is that once they get there, it's either not all it's cracked up to be, or they realise there are more inner rings to get into. 
And this quest seems a little bit hopeless. And, and Lewis leaves us wondering, how do we live in a world that is full of inner rings? There, there is no aspect of society where the inner ring isn't present. Whether you're a student or a teacher, a musician, whether you're in business or, or whatever you are, you'll find inner rings all around you. Lewis is very careful to make the point that the existence of inner rings isn't necessarily evil, but he warns of the deceitfulness of our hearts when we desire to enter the inner ring or when we seek to keep others out. It can lead us to envy, jealousy, uh, the compromise of our values and and even our faith. Now once inside, it can lead to deep-seated pride and sometimes cruelty can pop up. Now, if we think about our, our own lives for just a moment, I'm fairly sure we'll be able to think of times where we've pursued entrance into this phenomenon that is the inner ring uh, in some way. Maybe you'll even realise there are ways that you're currently pursuing an inner, an inner ring in some area of life. As we come to the passage this morning, we meet two men. Firstly, we meet an Ethiopian eunuch who was probably in the inner ring, in in many areas of life. He's an important uh, official to the Queen of Ethiopia. He's got his own chariot. Uh, But when it comes to interacting with the people of God, he's an outsider. Even though we're told he went to Jerusalem to worship, he wouldn't have been allowed inside the temple. He's not a Jew. He's probably not circumcised. According to the law, he's probably unclean. And other people would have seen him that way. This is a man who knows the disappointment of being an outsider. Many of the Jews would probably remind him of that. The other man we meet in the story is Philip. Philip was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, a man who would have become a very close friend of the Lord Jesus, a man who we would say was very much in the inner ring as far as followers of Jesus go. But as we'll see, the good news of Jesus can't be contained to an inner ring. The gospel is a message that knows no bounds, a message for anyone who would believe in Jesus. Humanly speaking, uh, this Ethiopian man didn't fit the bill of a follower of God. But as we saw in the passage, Philip is moved by the Spirit of God to find and then welcome this man in. This morning we've had the baptisms of Cody and Cleo and Laura. And baptism is a reminder that Jesus brings new life to anyone who will trust in him. That he makes us a part of the family of God. And we saw it with the Ethiopian man in the story. And there are two things I'm I'm hoping to do uh, very briefly this morning. The first is to remind us that baptism is a reason to rejoice with the people of God. And the second is to remind us that baptism shows us and openness to the word of God. So a reason to rejoice with the people of God uh, and an openness to the word of God. So baptism gives us a, a reason to rejoice with the people of God. And I think we see that so clearly in the passage. The Ethiopian man has gone from someone who was spiritually dead to now being alive in Christ. That's what baptism points us to. Baptism is a sign. I'm, I'm sure that many of you will have heard that and know that. In a similar way that a a wedding ring is a sign. A wedding ring points to the fact that someone is married, but wearing a wedding ring isn't what makes you married. Uh, And sometimes people will take off their wedding ring for for work or or for sport, if it 
if it comes off. They don't stop being married. And likewise, baptism is a sign. It points to the new life that the Christian finds in Christ. A dying to the old sinful nature and a raising up to new life in Jesus. But baptism doesn't give you new life. That's something that only Jesus can do by his Holy Spirit. As we witnessed those uh, three baptisms this morning, we were reminded of the new life that Jesus brings. The water points to being washed clean. That's the work that God does in, in our hearts. And those baptisms pointed to that new life. New life that Laura and, and many of us enjoy already. New life that we pray Cody and Cleo will one day enjoy. So baptism is a sign, but it's it's not the thing that saves you. And, and I want to make that... Uh, clear because people have got that wrong throughout history uh, particularly when it comes to infant baptism it's only belief in Christ that can bring us into relationship with God and that is why baptism is a, a reason to rejoice the Ethiopian man rejoices after he is baptized and, and we rejoice today because Laura has believed the good news about Jesus she's saying that even though following Jesus is costly it's worth it and with God's help, she will continue to live for him. A wonderful reason for us uh, to rejoice. We also rejoice today because Daniel and Sarah and, and Nathan and Katrina have themselves believed and, and want to raise Cody and Cleo to know Jesus. Uh, one of the things I've, I've heard people say from time to time in Christian circles is something along the lines of, we don't want to, to force our faith on our children. We want them to make their own decisions. Uh, not necessarily in relation to baptism, but, but just in general. And I can kind of understand that sentiment. We're not robots. Our, our children aren't robots or, or puppets to be manipulated. We also need to remember our responsibility to them, to, to teach them the ways of the Lord, to raise them with a knowledge and understanding of the goodness of our God, to help them see he is someone trustworthy, He's the one who can truly help them make sense of this life and, and what it's about and to see the forgiveness and new life he offers through the sacrifice of his son. We live in a world that doesn't offer us much by, by way of hope. The hope it offers is often hollow. Many of you here will have experienced or, or know others who have been weighed down by a lack of hope in this life. The gospel offers us a true and lasting hope. Baptism reminds us of that hope. Now, there's a responsibility we see given to parents in, in Scripture, and Daniel and Sarah and Nathan Katrina today made some, some promises recognizing that responsibility. We made promises as a church recognizing our responsibility to, to help them as their church family. So baptism is a reason to rejoice. That's the first point. Uh, the second thing I want us to see is that baptism shows us an openness to the Word of God. And that's what we see from this Ethiopian man. You see, while Philip asks him if he understands uh, what he's reading, uh, when he asks him, I, I love his response. It's not, sorry man, mind your own business. It's how can I, unless someone explains it to me? How can I, unless someone explains it to me? He invites Philip into his chariot to do just that. And we see the passage of scripture that he was reading in, in verses 32 and 33. Uh, it's from the book of Isaiah. And it speaks of a sheep and a lamb, uh, words that find their truest meaning in, in Jesus. Because when Jesus first arrives on the scene and uh, John the Baptist sees him, remember what he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
And that's because Jesus would eventually go to the cross like a lamb to the slaughter. He knew that he had to go in order to deal with the problem of, of human sin. Something that makes each of us guilty before God. Uh, lambs in the Bible were often sacrificed to, to deal with the sin of the people of God. But they had to be sacrificed again and again and again. They were inadequate to deal with sin once and for all. Now in Jesus we have this one time perfect sacrifice. He was humiliated. He was deprived of justice. Treated like an enemy of God so that we would no longer be enemies of God. Philip explains to the Ethiopian man how, Je this, how, how Jesus was this uh, slaughtered lamb spoken of in Isaiah. And the man listens. He, he hears the word of God as it's explained to him, and he believes. Uh, it shows us that, that anyone can enter into the kingdom of God, even those of us who feel as though we're out of place among God's people, who have thought things and, and done, done things that we couldn't ever bring ourselves to tell others. Those of us who think the forgiveness of God is beyond us. God welcomes everyone. But there is a cost, and, and we see it here. Here, the, the cost is an openness to the word of God. Listen and respond to God's word. That's all, that's all it takes. Many of us are, are good at listening, and we'll listen to the things that entertain us. We'll, we'll listen to the things that keep us informed. But do we listen to the word of God? Do, do we really listen? When, when troubles come our way, when doubts arise, when we lose the zeal for life that we once had, do we listen? Are we open to the word of God when he speaks to us through it? This is the word of the one who made us, who knows us, who knows the number of hairs on our head. Uh, that may not sound impressive to some of us, but... This is a God who knows each of us personally. Many of us begin the Christian journey with the openness of, of the Ethiopian. But sometimes discouragement in life takes us away from the word when it should be drawing us closer. Are you open to the word of God? Are you someone who helps others listen to the word of God? Uh, that's a key part of this man being included in God's kingdom. Now, as a church, we want to give people opportunities to hear the word of God, and, and we do that in a number of ways. And one of the ways is the Hope Explored course that I mentioned earlier. Is that something for you at this time? Uh, a chance to be open to the word of God as we think about the life, uh, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, and the hope that that brings. Is that something for you or, or someone in your life? As those who can at times uh, relate to that feeling of, of being an outsider, we have this chance to show others that how the gospel gives hope to people like us who naturally turn away from God. Uh, it's a great day today. We're, we're celebrating the baptisms of, of Cody and Cleo and Laura. Uh, we have reason to rejoice as the people of God, as it points us to the hope of the gospel. It shows us an openness to hearing the word of God, which we need to be reminded of uh, from time to time. And it reminds us that those who were once distant from God can now know him personally. So let me pray that we would remember that privilege and be gracious in, in inviting others to share in that as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the lasting hope that the gospel brings. Not just the privilege of knowing you in this life, but 
the promise of spending eternity with you, our God who loves us perfectly. Lord, help us to be open to listening to you, to rejoice at the new life that you give us and to enable, uh, to embrace faith in Jesus if, if we haven't already done that. In his name we pray. Amen.